roll them. <laughs> All right, so welcome back, everybody. This is K36 Lesson 14. So this is the first lesson for our spring semester. This is 2023. Happy New Year. <laughs> um, I played a glorious unfolding by Stephen Curtis Chapman earlier, and we just have to always keep in mind that the glory of the Lord is great, and what he has planned is always greater and bigger than what you can ever think or imagine. And so I love that song. So, <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to pray over the lesson, and we're going to have a good time tonight. So, Father, we thank you for your presence that's here. We thank you for those that are able to gather tonight in the name of Jesus. We ask, Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come and reveal your heart tonight. That, God, that you would stir up the gift of God within us, that you would stir up the passion and the flame that's already burning within us. And that, Lord, you would instruct us, that you would give us encouragement, that you would strengthen us in all things. We ask, Holy Spirit, you would open our ears and our heart to hear what the Spirit is saying. And we just love you. We love you with all of our heart. And I just pray against all slumber and stupor tonight. I just bind that in Jesus' name that everybody will stay alert and attentive and that our ears will hear and just um, as the words as we read them that they'll just leap off the page into our hearts. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, for those who are here and go here, come on up. Um, for those who are here and go here on Sunday, I started a word, so all of y'all should be listening to that, but um, just entitled Earnestly. And so I'm going to repeat just a little bit of that. It's what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And so I'm going to just read you a little bit, and I'm just going to let my heart flow here. Um, the word earnest. I've been hearing that word for a while, and um, God actually quickened it well, for me um, probably back in October when um, a dear brother in Christ had a dream about me. And after that dream, when he woke up out of the dream, um, he felt that he had, he had to pray earnestly and fervently for me. And he had no idea what was going on in my life at that point, uh, and, but the Spirit of God does. And so the Holy Ghost comes, and everything changed in him. It turned like in a way that I've never seen him before, never heard him talk about before with me. He knows what I do. He's also a minister. And my point is this, is that the Spirit of God says there needs to be earnest prayer. And the earnest prayer needs to guard that glory. The earnest prayer needs to protect what God is building. The earnest prayer needs to come from the saints so that we continue on and do what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us to do. And that word really stood out to me whenever it was spoken about that. He, it was just an urgency to pray. Do you understand? And sometimes like people can get warnings from the Holy Spirit as if there's a danger or a warning or don't go here or don't go there or stop you. God does give us warnings, doesn't he? But this was not... Um, a warning. It was a cry from the Spirit to get behind what the Spirit of God is doing in our city and our communities. We need to get behind and get in tuned with and support and undergird what the Spirit of God wants to do. And we have to earnestly pray and contend for the faith and contend for the Spirit of God to move in our midst the way he wants to. And he's going to light and land upon vessels of honor that have said, yes, it's really simple. <laughs> it's a simple gospel, but he wants us all in. And um, <clears throat> this last fall, you know, um, I entitled it Falls Fresh Fire, right? 
And so the Holy Spirit had me pick some that would come and they would share their hearts and we would be stirred with what God was burning in them. And that's one good thing about the saints is when you testify and you share, then that fire and that life is going to go to someone else, correct? And so every saint administers what we believe according to your word, Jesus. And so out of that, we're sharing and letting the Holy Spirit stir up. Now, I can guarantee you those that did get to speak last fall that they just didn't have to prepare for the lesson, but they had to search and listen to God. And then out of that, they themselves got stirred. Truth started up and it renewed something because God is doing something very new. He's promised me that there's new going on in more than one way and he is turning the tide, but it takes earnest desire from our hearts. It takes a sincere desire. It takes a pure heart to want what God wants and to contend for that and to stay the course in that. And um, so we talked about uh, the lukewarm. For those who may not be familiar, let's go over to Revelation 3. This is not on your notes, but you know it. We're going to go back and read it really quick. We're undergirding this all fall. He continues to undergird that but I titled it Fresh Falls Fire, and now it's Feed the Flame. And that's what we have to do. Feed the flame. Say, feed the flame. So you can have a fresh fire, but what do you got to do to keep it burning? I, can have a, I, can, I have a fireplace at home. I love it. Hallelujah. Jeff chops all that wood, and I burn it. And, uh, and so it's what we do. And so, but you have to keep adding wood to that fire, or it'll just go out right? Right? A fire can be put out in many ways, but when a fire is burning and there's no stopping it, it will burn and it will burn and it will burn. Correct? And here in West Texas, we understand that. We understand the, the potential and possibility for uh, fires out in our fields and in our countryside, unfortunately. I know that can happen anywhere. It happens in California. And once a fire starts, it just goes and goes. But I'm putting this in a spiritual principle for us to understand that this fresh fire, he's saying now, feed that flame. So, you hear it? Okay, so Revelation 3, we're looking at the lukewarm church in verse 14. This was the message to Laodicea. And he said, um, verse, chapter 3, verse 14, to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things, says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He said, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, I really have need of nothing, and do not know that you're actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And as many as I love, I rebuke, and I chasten. So therefore, be zealous and repent. So behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. 
To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Amen. So we understand the condition here where Jesus is addressing uh, this church, and we also understand the era and the age of the church and how you could actually put the age right now of this kind of fits in a lot of places. But the whole counsel here is that Jesus doesn't want us lukewarm, right? And, and that's easy to get into that rut. We talk all the time about how God has a seat for us at his table, correct? We understand that there's many seats in the house of the Lord. There's a five-fold government, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Yes, there's helps, administrations. There's many roles and functions in the body of Christ. And, and you can see it as in it's a seat, it's an office, it's an, a position before the Lord. The scripture says that we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places, Ephesians 2. And so we can sit in our chair. Nancy says that you can't just sit in it. You've got to scoot all the way back in, right? You've got to get all the way in that chair. Don't just walk around the table. Don't just look at it. Sit down and take your seat. And here's what can happen. You could take your seat, but what are you doing in that seat? Oh, I took my seat. I'm in my seat. I'm in my seat, but what are you doing in that seat? You see, you can become inactive and lukewarm in your seat. You know your office. You know your call. You know where you're anointed. But you can become comfortable, lukewarm, cold, <laughs> and just be happy that you have a seat but not doing a cotton-picking thing. That's what it looks like. That's what he's addressing. Oh, I know I could lead others to Jesus, but when was the last time you led someone to Jesus? I know I can teach, but when was the last time you taught? I know I can heal the sick, but when was the last time you prayed for the sick to be healed? I know I can cast out demons, but when's the last time you had enough courage to tell that demon to get out? I know that I can open my home and I can practice hospitality. I've learned how to set a table and cook. But when was the last time you did it? See, I'm getting the rubber meeting the road here. We're getting down to the, the nitty-gritty, the dirt and grindy of what does it look like? I know I can do this. I know I can help. I know I can clean. I know I can go help at the soup kitchen, and I can do anything. You can have a seat. You even might have a call or a bent, but what are you doing with it? And that's what Jesus is addressing because he's wanting to pour out his spirit like we have never seen. And you can have an able body, but an unwilling soul. And he wants able bodies and willing souls and hearts that are earnestly seeking him and all in have surrendered their life to say, whatever you want of me, Jesus, I will do it until you go see him in glory. No matter what it costs me, that's the call. That's the call. And it's not just for the missionaries, right? It's for every one of us, right? It's for everyone. And I hear excuses, excuses, excuses. I think that's in the Bible. And I think Jesus addresses excuses, correct? Yes. If you feel condemnation right now, that's not of Jesus. I pray that we would feel conviction and a stirring and a desire that what is Jesus saying? Because my words are pretty easy compared to this. And I am describing what this looks like to Jesus. 
I know I should read my Bible, but I only made 10 minutes this week. I know I should do that class. I know I should. I know I should. I know I should be praying in tongues. I know I should get behind. I should go up there and worship God and dance and stay up all night. We've had people come up here. I've been up here all night long. I know I should, but how long? What are we doing with what the Spirit is prompting? It looks like that. And you know what it feels like when you obey. Bam, when you obey quickly. Mm, How sweet it is. And you just acted in obedience and you did what he said, yes. And it just looks like that. I know I could help, but I don't want to. (laughs) I know I could be early, but I don't want to. I know I should be on time, but I don't want to be. This lukewarm area the Spirit of God is bringing fire to across the board, across the nations. And he's looking for those whose hearts are his. Are y'all hearing it already? So when you talk about this, he goes, I know your works. He said, I know your works. He sees my works. Jesus sees our works. So you, you, you can fib with me, but you can't fib with him. I can hide it all day, but he knows my heart, right? He goes, I know your works. And he says this, I wish that you are, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you'd be either. And so... God gave me a very clear visual dream with this, and he told me no longer to deal with the lukewarm. If Jesus said, I will vomit the lukewarm out of his mouth, he told me to feed the flame, and he told me to keep it hot, and he told me to feed the hot, and that's what we're doing. And to those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So it's a time of self-examination as to where am I lukewarm? Where have I just cold? Where I said I was gonna and I hadn't. <laughs> I'm loaded with the word of knowledge, but who was the last time you gave one? I'm anointed in the bone to prophesy, but who was the last person you prophesied to? I know I carry tongues and interpretations, but when was the last time when you stood up and you boldly gave it? Yeah? That stirring, because we can get comfortable in it. This is the time for, for feeding that flame of fire as God is bringing renewal. And I can guarantee you, it is here. Renewal is here, period. It is here. He is here. And he's turned the tide. And those who have ears to hear will hear what the Spirit is saying. Because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Those are Christ's words. But I want you to see the redemption. I want you to see the heart of Jesus. So he says, because you say I'm rich and um, I become wealthy, I have need of nothing. And yes, that can mean just carnality, love of the world, love of the flesh, love of the devil. It can be just flesh, yes. It can be real riches and real wealth. Or it can just be an attitude of, I am comfortable. (laughs) I have everything I need. I'm good. I got saved 50 years ago. I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it, I'm comfy. I got on my jammies. I hope you didn't wear your jammies tonight. Um, I got on my jammies, and I am good to go, heaven bound. You hear that? Yes? You hear that? Also to givers. You know you're called to be a giver. When's the last time you gave? See, he's covering every gift, every anointing, not to condemn, but he's bringing light to it, and he's bringing a fire to it. And you're going to come out hot tonight. Okay, so he goes on. And he says, um, do you not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? So that's gonna, he's going to get straight to where we really are. Because anything that takes the place of the fire, 
Ooh, oh, yikes. It can be good stuff too, huh? Yeah, I know. Verse 18, so he goes, Jesus says, I counsel you. I counsel you. So if Jesus says he's counseling me, and he's the head, and he's our boss, yes, he's our Lord. I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can be rich. So buying gold from Jesus is when you lay your whole heart down and life down, and you let him burn out of you everything he didn't plant. And you repent of every excuse, everything, everything, everything. And you let him search you and know you. And we pray all those prayers. Lord, search me and know me. See if there be any evil way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. But when he really starts doing, you're like, that was a little close. I'm just kidding. You know, when he comes with the fire, when he comes with the light, we're to draw to him. He's actually trying to draw them to himself. He's trying to draw them to himself because he wants us, the end of this, to be overcomers. Yes? He addresses the real issue, yet he chose you how to get here. Okay? That you may have white garments and you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with ISF so you can see. There's a part where we communicate and work with God in this. Put salve on your eyes. Get your clothes on. Get on the face. Get on the floor. Let's repent and let's seek heaven. Let's call this repentance. <laughs> let's call this, I'm going to go after God with all that I've got. And I'm going to intercede for the church of the living God to catch the fire. And you may be burning, but everyone around you is lukewarm. Everyone around you cold. Everyone around you don't want to play. But you may be that fire that can... Be passed on, and your fire can catch others on fire. Your obedience, your passion, your being on time, your love, your joy, your healing, whatever it is, your testimony can set other hearts ablaze. Yes? And it ain't over till it's over. So we got till death do us part. But it don't matter if you know all about it, but we got to know, are we active? Are we engaged? Are we supporting? Are we going forward? Are we using what God has given us? That's what it looks like. So that was his counsel. Now in verse 19, and this is it. He goes, as many as I love, what does he do? Who rebukes? Jesus. Jesus. Is that fair? Is that right? Is that just? Absolutely. You see here in the scripture, the Lord rebuke you. You ever heard that before? <laughs> well, yeah. If you are alive and have, you know, skin, You've been corrected at least once by Jesus. Have we not? Because Hebrews 12 says that those whom he loves, he will chasten. He will discipline. Why? So we can bear more fruit. Because whom the Father loves, he chastens. Or else he says we're bastards. You understand? That's it. We're not. We are children of God. And I have a Father who loves me. And when it's time for him to sit down and talk to me, I'm going to sit down and listen. He says, do this. I'm going to do it. He says, this is wrong. I'm going to repent. He says, get up. I'm going to get up. It looks like that, not out of control and ungodliness, but out of obedience, out of surrender and love. And that's why my Jesus testified to us, I only do what I hear my father say. I only, I only do what I see him doing. I only say what I hear him speaking. 
I do nothing of my own initiative, but whatever I hear, feel, see, whatever, I do it. He was in complete obedience, even to the cross. And he did that for us sinners. That's amazing. This is the one talking to us right here. See, this is going to draw you into the fire. This is going to fan the flame in your heart because I love this stuff because it purges me. It cleanses me. He refines me. He purifies me with gold as in fire. He makes us firebrands. And when you go through, you will come out shining brighter than before. When you go through, I tell everybody, you're going through it. <laughs> and that can be an old charismatic. Mm -hmm. You're going through, all right? Great. But you go through it, and you come out shining. That's the heart. But you got to hear the correction. You got to hear, I just gave you a few examples. But even then, your flesh was like, oh, when's the next teacher coming? You can feel that. You can feel it, can't you? It's like, oh my God, I just bind condemnation. But you've got to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Because this is from our King. As many as he loves, he will rebuke and he will chasten. And he said, so be zealous and repent. Okay, so that's our part. Okay, that's our part. Be zealous. You know, and after you've like had a hard time, it's hard. You just can't work it up. You know what I mean? You can't just work it up. How do you get zealous again? Number one, repent. Repent from where you've fallen. Repent, repent. That means wholeheartedly, without excuses, I take 100% total responsibility for my attitude, my actions, my disobedience, my slothfulness, my apathy, my slumber, whatever, whatever, whatever. 100%, that's what happens. We take full responsibility. If you're blaming on Joe Bob and your husband, you've missed it right? It's 100% us, right? And then, you know, that fire will catch because that's how he moves. You know, we all love to read the revival stories and how the Spirit of God came and you see all the people wailing at the altars, just wailing at the altars, crying out to God to forgive them. How many know what I'm talking about? And it's like crickets if you're open an altar call nowadays, You hear it? Because the people become dull of hearing. That's scriptural. You can talk to anybody and they're just like, uh. right? And, and that's, the, that's what he's having to deal with and cut through. I rebuke and I chasten, so be zealous. You repent first. The zeal will come. Because as soon as you repent, you're sincerely asking the Father to take out of you what he didn't plant, cast out of you yourself what you don't need, and then you get back in line, and you get in your seat, and you do what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and we get in line and say, how can I help? How can I serve? Here I am, Lord, use me. Use me. You're like, well, I've got a healing anointing, but when was the last time you prayed for someone to be healed? Well, everybody I know is healed. Then go out in the world. They're all sick. When was the last time you cast out a demon? You know what I mean? It's like, well, there's nobody around me that has demons. Well, go out into the world, you'll find them. Right? I, I've jokingly said this more than once. And I'm not being mean to nobody, but I hear it a lot. You can go to a conference and a conference and a conference. You can go to another conference and another conference on evangelism. And you can see how the evangelists are doing it. And you can get on fire. And then you come back and you're like, I'm on fire and I'm going to go to the next conference they have. 
and, and they're waiting for something. When they come back and they start telling me, you know what, fire comes out of me. And I say, go. There are lost people in our city. Go. But they're waiting for the big and the big and another and another, even if it's God calling them. You see what I'm saying? You're overflowing with a healing anointing. Where are they around us? You, God, we're supposed to be ministering to each other in the body of Christ, right? We need that. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it's like healing conference after healing conference. You got it, dude. I mean, we've got it figured out here. But we've got to give what we've been given. We have to step out in faith and do it. And God will give you divine opportunities. He'll knock at your door when you least expect it. And I'm speaking from experience just today. They'll interrupt your schedule. They'll interrupt your plans. They'll interrupt your school. They'll interrupt what you're going to do. They will come in at the wrong time. Right when you're fixing to unload the car, it doesn't matter. It may not always be convenient, but the Lord will test our hearts. And you say, you want revival, but what are you willing to do for it? Are you willing to let me use you? I am burning inside of you, and I want to go save the lost. Quit waiting for another outpouring of my Holy Ghost. I've already got it in you. Go do it. That fire, that right there, that's what we're in. I want this, and I want that. <laughs> he says, you know what? <laughs> you poor, blind, wretched. You don't see what you've been given, but I'm removing the veils, and I'm going to show you just how anointed you are. I'm a light of fire in you. You are so called. You are chose, chosen. You are so chosen. You are so anointed. You are so loved, and I need you. I need you to give this gospel. Well, they abused me. They didn't listen to me. They, they persecuted me. They spit on me. So what? That's what they did to Jesus. We keep going to the next town, Scripture says. If this one won't hear you, shake off the dust of your feet and go to the next one. I have shaken off the dust of my feet, off my shoes from a few folks in a few churches who had no ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord was saying. But I'm going to feed the hot. And I'm going to feed those who want to be fed. I'm going to feed the fire to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry so that we can run as one in the great outpourings he has for us. You hear it? Be zealous and repent. The zeal will come once you do that and you ask him for a fresh fire. I promise you. I'm a living witness of it. Behold, Jesus said, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Mm. If anyone hears my voice, remember, he's talking to the church, not the lost people. Although evangelists use this passage to win souls. This was to the church and Laodicea. This was to the church. I'm standing at the door of your heart, not the door in our building or your home or your apartment. It's right here in our heart. I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking right there. And he says, if anyone hears my voice, that's where it starts. Remember, our sheep hear his voice and opens the door. He said, I will come in. What a promise. And don't just come in, but dine with us. And he with me. Fellowship, communion. That's what it looks like. You see, that's the hope. That's all we live for. I'm in him and he's in me. I'm in him and he's in me. We want this communion. There's restoration here. He's rebuked them. And now he tells them, if you're listening to my counsel, let me burn out of you what I didn't plant. 
And if you receive from me the fire I'm correcting you with right now, oh baby, you and me together forever, right? And we're going to bear much fruit together. And 21, he says, toast to him who overcomes. Here's the promise. I will grant for you to sit with me on my throne. Even as I overcame and sat down with him on my father on his throne. Now, if you look back to where he started in this, some serious correction. You're thinking, dude, this lukewarm church, man, they're over with. They are done. But look at the reward. I did. We've done teachings on these churches for, I mean, it's on everything we do. And it is astounding to me, to the overcomers, to the ones that overcome, to the ones that chose, the ones that said, I'll go, I'll repent. Yes, Lord, I'm yours. <laughs> Mary said she prayed, open my eyes. And he, she told us that he always starts with her first. Correct? Is that right? That's what it looks like. And then look at the reward. He will grant for us to sit with him on his throne. Do you know what that is, the throne? Do you know the throne of God here, the throne of Jesus' house? Remember, you know? Do you see the reward here? So, baby, let that flesh be crucified. Let the Spirit of God do what he's got to do because great is your reward in heaven. And you know I'm able to do this by the grace of God. I may be a babe in it. I may not know everything, but that's all right. You got Holy Ghost in you. You find somebody else to walk with. Get in. Say, I want to go door to door. And I want to ask people, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? (laughs) I want to go door knocking. Whatever it takes. I've got to give the life that I've got. That's what it looks. It's simple. But look at the reward. I've overcome and I sat down with my father on his throne. So when I talk about earnest and we talk about earnestly desiring, we are talking about feeding the flame. You're like, but maybe I just have a little bitty sparkle. Then, okay, then we're going to put some more fire on that sparkle. Because it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. When I was in Girl Scouts, fifth or sixth grade, yeah, I went on a camp out. And, um, you know, you have to get badges and things. And so on this one, I was in Amarillo, born there. And so while I was out camping, I had another little partner with me. And so we were supposed to be in charge of starting the fire the next morning. And so they said they would give us one match. I don't know who gave up with that rule. But they're going to give us one match. We didn't even have the click bit things. We had a box of matches. And we were supposed to do that. And it was cold. It was always cold in Amarillo. It was in the fall. It was cold. And so we were supposed to start that fire. So the genius that I am, the great leader and administrator that I am, I had an idea. Hey, let's get that whole package of napkins. And if we get that whole package of napkins, I bet that fire will start faster. Let's do that. Because you're not supposed to use anything else but one match and all that kindling in the wood they got out there, right? <laughs> I deceiver that I was. I tricked the girl into it. And so here we go. And everybody's sleeping still. So we go out and we've got the pit and we've got the wood and I got the whole package of napkins. And baby, I cram that stuff in that fire pit and light that fire and bam, I got me a fire. Unfortunately, it's like mom's eyes in the back of their heads, they say, that leader saw us. 
and she did not reward me. And I didn't get my fire patch because I didn't obey the rules, right? But I had a key. I thought, I can start a fire quicker if I just use all of these napkins. Whatever it takes <laughs> to feed that flame. If you got to go buy a whole package of napkins, <laughs> it's just whatever it takes. I don't want to start slow. Just give it to me, God. One touch from God, I heard somewhere in my Bible, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. And then he came again, and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire again, so much that the place even shook. <laughs> God cheats. He used a bunch of napkins. I'm saying he will light a fire, and he will let it spread. Yes? That was for free. But maybe you can understand what I'm saying. Earnestly desire what? It's on your paper. We want to earnestly desire his manifest presence. Every one of us, every one of us want to know Jesus better. Every one of us want to know Jesus better. Every one of us want to know Holy Ghost better. Every one of us want to know the love of God better. Every one of us want to be faithful and bear fruit, yes? So earnestly desire his manifested presence. We talk about this all of the time. John 15, abide in me and in my word and you will bear much fruit. All right? The manifested presence is where you and he together are walking together, and you can also encounter him in so many glorious ways. The Bible is full of that. Yes? Manifest presence means God in your midst. Surely God is in your midst. Surely the Lord is in this house. Surely the Lord is in this city. I believe wholeheartedly in the presence of the Lord manifesting so that the people of God can just walk near and get healed, can, can get delivered, be drawn to the love of God, can feel the presence. And we have had testimony, we pray it all the time, that the atmosphere, that our surroundings, that ourselves, our homes will be full of the Holy Spirit and full to host the presence so that maybe they come up weeping. Maybe they just had to run because they had a need that day. And maybe just maybe we met a need for them that day. And maybe we sowed a seed and somebody else will reap. But we were faithful with what we've been given. You know when you feel the Holy Ghost, right? Jesus bumps, right? You know when you can feel his presence. Wave your hand. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody here should know that by now. Manifested presence. Earnestly desire it for yourself. Earnestly desire it for your family. Earnestly desire it for the kingdom. For the body of Christ. Yes? And there's prayer there. But if you're just letting them pray for it, you missed it. Lukewarm. If you're letting others contend for that, but you're not engaging, you missed it. Lukewarm. Yeah, or cold. See, that's why we activate all the saints to do the work. There was a remnant that showed up in Acts 2 in the house. Hallelujah, 120. It was a remnant. Oh, he, he revealed himself, manifested, raised from the stinking dead to 500, it said. But 120 tarried and waited in Jerusalem for the manifest presence that was going to come, that they had no idea what was going to come. Correct? It's in our Bible. I'm quoting you scripture. He told those that were with him in the garden of Gethsemane, stay up and pray with me. And this is humanity. This is our flesh. I'm too tired. I can't do it. We have all felt it when you just cannot stay 
awake. Am I the only one that's felt that before? I mean, I know my mom, I've had lots of babies. I know you're exhausted. And you're like, oh my God, this kid. Yeah, they don't ever go to sleep. I don't know how they make it sometimes. Like they can go for days without sleep and you're just like dragging. I remember. But you understand that weight. It is a spiritual force of darkness that comes against the believer. You know what I mean? It's like you wanna, I wanna, I shoulda, I could, I could, but I'm just too seepy. I'm just too tired. I, I don't have enough oomph. I can't do it again. That, that's the area. And this is where the fire comes. And there was 120 faithful ones. And boy, did they get it. And boy, did they get it again. And the more they got persecuted, the fire grew hotter. So say glory to God. Because <laughs> he's faithful. He doesn't leave us in the fire. He joins us. He doesn't leave us in the fires. He joins us. <laughs> Earnestly pray and desire his kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about this Sunday, Matthew 6, constantly. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We believe this here, yes? We believe that that's a call. That's a prayer of Jesus. We're in alignment with that. And we're all growing in it, yes? earnestly desire his glory and power to be revealed. Like, have we settled? Well, I led one soul to Jesus this year. That's pretty good. Nobody else in my family's led anybody to Jesus, but I did. We can settle with something as good as that, but well, greatest reward in heaven for that one soul. But if you can lead one, I guarantee you there's somebody else out there. <laughs> Come on, right? Boldness. I mean, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? It just comes out of me. Dude, this is happening in my dreams. I can be in realms of darkness. Okay, and, and I just go up to these witches. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? It don't matter in the spirit realm. It is real. And they're either going to drop dead and die there because thou shalt not suffer a witch to live if they've sold their soul to Satan or they're going to repent, fall on their face and say, Jesus, help me. Even that. Anyone can be saved if they've not sold their soul to Satan. Correct? The battle's real. The battles are real. Earnestly desire his glory and his power to come. We, we're not even walking in what we were born to walk in yet. We haven't even seen what God has planned for us yet. Scripture says, I hasn't seen, ear hadn't even heard. It should inspire you, not condemn you. If you feel conviction, repent, and the zeal of the Lord will come upon you. Repent, go back and do the first works. If you've lost your first love, he said, in the start of Revelation 2, right? Wow, look at this. Whom he loves, he corrects. I'm telling you what, it's new. He's opened up something new, and there's a turning, and he's waiting. But I ain't feeding the lukewarm. We're going to feed the fire, and we're going to feed what's hot, and we're going to keep burning with it. And if two or three are gathered in my name. Now, that doesn't mean you don't love people. <laughs> you can't say, well, I don't want to be your mother anymore because, you know, you're kind of in a bad way. <laughs> it's not that you don't love your family, your friends, your, your sheep. It's not that you don't love people. It has nothing to do with love. It has to mean with, I've got to attend to the work of the ministry. I've got to attend to what's burning to bring his kingdom. And I got to tend my fire. So get on the napkins, Jesus. I'm going to get in there. And we're going to strike one match. And we're going to go. 
That's what it looks like, right? And then your eyes are opened. You hear Ernest? Ernest from dictionary.com. I put it on here for you just in case you don't understand. Serious and zealous in attention. Serious. How serious are we for God? When I first got saved, I really wouldn't say that I was serious. I, y'all were probably kind of the same. You're just really glad you don't have to go to hell. And you just start your journey with Jesus. And you just love him and you love the Bible and you start reading it, correct? And then as that happens, the flame, what happens? Someone's blowing on your embers. And he's like, oh, I, got, I haven't read Thessalonians yet. You know, that's the first book I studied outside of the Gospels. I was like, I really wanted to know Thessalonians, so I started studying Thessalonians. I heard somebody say that it's good to read one chapter, excuse me, one book of the Bible every day for a month. And that will do it. It's my first year being born again. It's awesome. Philippians, there's only four books in there, four chapters. I could have picked Jude. There's only one. But I picked Philippians, four chapters. Right? I read it every day for a month. All four, every day. Can you believe that? Four chapters a day? Man, I did it. I read four chapters a day, every day for a month. But you know what? When I disciple people, I tell them this. And you know what? It starts a fire. I show them how to read the Bible. I show them how to study. I show them how to talk to Jesus. And you know what? Little did I know that the book of Philippians would be something that would unfold in my destiny in life. And has, is, is the, is the, I love it all, but that, that book has my name on it. You get it? You know how he personalizes these things. And when you get into Thessalonians, you're like, oh, this is the best book. You know? But it starts with that. But nobody, nobody came in with this zeal and, and just, you're just over the top, you know, top dog, top gun, born again believer. You are saved by the hair of your chinny chin chin, and now you're learning how to walk with God. You're reading the Bible. You're getting to know him. You're praying. I prayed for like five minutes. I blessed everybody I knew to bless. I thanked him for everyone I knew to thank, and that was it. Right? My husband once fell asleep in prayer. We were praying one night, and this is, I just, we talk about this a lot. He said, Lord, does God bless the peace people in Anson? We lived in Abilene. He was falling asleep. And we, to this day, if Grant, somebody, if we drive through Anson, we send Jeff, Jeff a text that says, God bless Anson. <laughs> he was so in the spirit that he blessed the people in Anson. Per- perhaps it was a divine Holy Ghost moment. But it looks like that. You see this? It looks like that. And then when these just get plucked out of hell, they can be so on fire for God. They're like, I've got to tell everybody about Jesus. Yes. That's real fire. But it looks like this growth. Somebody in the Corinthian church, man, they had it, but they had some flesh going on because of paganism. They had all the gifts, but oh, dude, you hear the labor that it takes with the saints. Correct? It all goes together. So earnest is serious and zealous in attention, purpose and effort. Effort, effort. It takes effort to do these things. It takes effort to prepare these lessons, yes? Also means showing a depth and a sincerity of feeling. You were earnest in your words. You had an earnest entreaty. You know when someone's earnestly, really caring about you. You know that, and you know when they're not. (laughs) 
You know, we know, right? Earnest, seriously important, demanding or receiving serious attention, seriousness, zealousness. Other words are like fervent, intent, purposeful, determined, industrious, ambitious. You see, you don't have to just go around acting like a crazy person all the time. You don't have to be that, and just talk out loud or shuka, blah, 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 everywhere you go. It's fire that's within you that causes you to be zealous, that causes you to go forward, that causes you to go upward, that earnestly calls out through you to save, heal, deliver, help others, serve, whatever you can do for Christ. It's just that. Now, when you get bold, you get bold, right? When you shout, you shout. And when you weep, you weep. Sometimes we just have to mourn with those who are mourning right? Sometimes we are comforting and we're healing and we're just letting people cry on our shoulders. <laughs> and then we get them free, right? You hear the word earnest. Y'all, y'all got the idea? So when I say earnest desire, that's it. That's where we're at. And we're going to feed that flame. Hebrews 2, verse 1 through 4. It's on your paper. He says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgressions and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect? And I also put there means ignore. So great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So you can read all of Hebrews 1 leading up to this, but it's and just describing who Christ is and who he is and his scepter of righteousness and his kingdom and, and the angels of the Lord that are hearkening to serve him and hearkening to serve those who serve him. I mean, it's just kingdom all over chapter 1. And he says, so therefore, after glory 101 in chapter 1, therefore, he tells us we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. That was written how many years ago? The, see, the word is living and active. It's not, it can become dead. It's like, when was the last time? Uh, I don't know. Last time I read that, I have no idea. Is that in the Bible? You know, we can get there. He says, earnestly, give heed. Give heed, give attention, lest we drift away. We become comfortable. We become familiar. Can you hear it? These are warnings. And this was to the early church, which I think they were pretty much on fire. They were so on fire that Nero hung them all around the city and put them on fire on torches. (laughs) He fed them to the lions. They, they, They went through atrocious sufferings. In the Hebrews 11, it talks to us all about the great, the great saints of old, and some were sawn in two, Isaiah. Some were thrown in the fire, but Jesus rescued them. You see, this is nothing new. But how far did they go? How much earnest heed? How were these prophets so full of the word of the Lord? Why did Jeremiah deal with what he had to deal with and live in the sewer and the pits of hell? They put him in because he just kept speaking what God was saying. It's in our Bible. These are testimonies for us. And it wakes us up. It says, well, you know what? I don't think that I'm as bad off as I think I am. 
And I think I can, let's get right, God. And that can start a fire in you. Not cause fear, but rise faith up inside of you because you know it's Christ in them, the hope of glory. To those who suffer in martyrdom, you know that there's so much grace on them. There's so much grace on them. Yes, because he said, I'll never leave you, fail you, forsake you. That's why many in the lion's dens died with, light, with smiles on their face. Honey, they were already in glory. When they're throwing stones at Stephen, I'm just saying, okay, they're about to do the deal. And God just says, here, look up here real quick. <laughs> Wasn't he the first martyr? I'm just saying. And the first one saw what? Jesus. He says, there, hey, the heavens are open. There's Jesus. I see him. He's standing at the right hand of God. And that was shortly after his resurrection. They saw him go back up. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? That we're hanging with Jesus and he goes back up into heaven. And the angels say, hey guys, don't worry. He's going to come again the same way he went. You're like, great. They didn't know what was coming for them. He said, wait, okay, we'll go wait. We'll go pray. We'll fast and starve ourselves again. But they'd seen a lot already. They saw the resurrected Christ. And that was the witness. And that's what they did. Those were the apostles that bore witness to his resurrection. They were living witnesses. Yes? And that's why we still believe this today. And because of their sacrifice, we still believe it. We've got it on paper. Because of the great Holy Ghost. Yes? And because of your walk and your sacrifices and your journey with God and what you gave up and what you laid down and what you've repented of and what you've overcome and the deliverances you've gone through, the repentance you've gone through, the tears you've gone through, the persecution you've gone through so that he can be glorified in you. It looks like that, right? You hear it? So, oh yes, it's like give heed. Give them more earnest heed. Next page, page two. I brought this one up as well. Colossians chapter four, verse two through six. He said, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us, that means the other laborers who labor for them, that God would open to us a door for the word. So the saints are earnestly praying and we're called to be vigilant in prayer. Are we being vigilant? Yeah, I prayed five minutes today. <laughs> I pray five minutes every day. That's not vigilant. Cutting through, right? What does it look like? I can have 10 minutes of some power prayer that's effective. Praying that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail much. I can pray in 10 minutes. You can take hours to do it, but it can take 10 minutes, and you know you just brought heaven to earth. But it's consistent, it's earnest, it's not routine. I've got to do this. I have to, I'm a leader, I've got to pray. Whatever. Luke, warm. Blech! That's what it looks like. He hates that spirit. He wants us on fire. He wants us in love. And out of that, we serve him. These aren't my words. These aren't my words. I would tell the world, it doesn't matter. I take this. I take heed to the word I give you. You hear this? Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant. It's not just on one person to pray. It's not just on a group of those leaders or that, those awesome people back there or those intercessors. You know intercessors. They're always praying. Right? Praise God. We are inter I'm an intercessor. But listen to me. We're all called to intercede before. 
read Revelation 5 about something about the bowls in heaven and how the earnest prayers of the saints tip the bowls of heaven over? It's in your Bible. Say, every saint and intercessor. He says, be vigilant in prayer. What's it going to take to get them saved? 1 Peter 4, 7 on your paper. He said, but the end of all things is at hand, so therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. I said on Sunday, y'all, and the end of all things is at hand. Peter wrote this when? At least, let's just say 2,000 years ago. I don't know. The end of all things at hand. Today, you know what they're still saying? The end of all things is at hand. Uh-huh. And so what does he say? Be serious and be watchful in your what? Prayers. That's that communion. Yeah. That's decreeing what God is saying. That's praying the word. That's interceding. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Earnestly desire. We have permission from heaven, remember, to earnestly desire the best gifts. Ask for it. Believe for it. Earnestly desire it. You're like, well, I could never do that. Well, quit saying that and just ask for it. <laughs> well, when I pray for them, they usually just whatever. But keep asking, keep contending. Don't stop, don't quit, right? Earnestly desire all the best gifts because God does that. He just in this chapter has told you all the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And he says, earnestly desire the best. Can I do that? Is that legal? Yes. My Bible says Ask. And you will seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. See, you guys know the word. But are we doing that? Are you to grow weary in doing good? You see, disappointment can hit in. The devil can do anything to shut you down because he hates a praying church. So I earnestly desire all the best gifts. Say, Father, I just ask you to anoint every gift within me in the name of Jesus. Let the river flow. Remind me to play this song at the end. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. He says, now faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Because out of Corinthians 13, with all the gifts of the Spirit, he pours us into love, doesn't he? Because love is the greatest gift. And you can have all these gifts, but if you don't have love, it profits us zippo, zero, nada, nothing. So if you're just doing it because you have to, <laughs> even if Jesus told you to, you go, I'll do it. But I don't want to. <laughs> right? That. When he says you need to forgive him, you're like, oh, that attitude? Mm -hmm. Just saying. He says, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I choose to forgive them. Boom, boom, boom. Because I've been forgiven, right? Love, love. It's who he is. So that has to be in the middle of this fire. First Corinthians 14, 39. I wrote down the Amplified for you. You with me? All right, so he says, so to conclude, my brethren, earnestly desire and set your hearts on prophesying. Earnestly desire and set your hearts on prophesying, on being inspired to preach and teach and to interpret God's will and purpose. Wow. You're like, isn't that just for the preachers and the pastors, them, those prophets, right? No. To the saints of God. To the saints of God. You're like, well, we don't do that tongue stuff. Deborah does. 
You can, you can let somebody else get that inspiration. Or you can ask God, would you give me an inspiration? Would you give me a tongue? Would you give me an interpretation? But then you got to get through the fear gate to do it. I'm going to give a testimony. Bless Cliff. This is awesome. I've shared it before, but it's real. One of our early meetings, we're in a small gathering with some folks. We were just in the garden, just starting. There's just a few of us, and we're just doing what we're doing. And we're going to pray. And Brother Cliff was sitting in his chair, and I kept going. You know, nothing's changed. I'm going. We're talking. We're doing. And he just keeps slumping, 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 a little lower on the couch. And his bald head starts to turn redder and redder. He shaves his head. Redder, redder. Finally, I stop. I said, Cliff, is there something wrong? Do you need to say something? And he says, I think I have a tongue. He never had a tongue before. His body was literally manifesting. He's trying to be polite. He's trying to obey the order of the meeting. And it's coming on him. And he's never experienced that before. And Holy Ghost pulled up the big sneak on him. I said, well, give it. And then, boom, the other woman in the room, bam, gave the interpretation, shifted our whole meeting and took us where we needed to be. But are you doing it? Or have you felt that unction and that inspiration? You're like, mm, no, no, not me. They don't know me yet that good. I know. There's only three people here, so you can't hide in the room. Mm, God, the parents are visiting church today. You can feel it coming. How many? This is real, right? You got new visitors, fresh baptism, 18 people out there, never been to a charismatic church, and God gives you a tongue. You're like, oh, God, all these people. Oh, God. I don't want to go up there and give that tongue. Oh, Jesus, help me. No. And is it, wow, I can feel this. Is that not true? I know. Holy Spirit's hitting a nail on the head. Oh, because we just invited those people to cell group. They'll never come back. Who are these crazy people, right? But he said, let all these things be done decently in order. There's order to it. But there's a release. And we can grieve the Holy Ghost because we feel it. Oh, but you just don't want to do it. You hear that? Is this getting through? So he says, hmm, earnestly desire and set your hearts on prophesying. One, being inspired to preach and teach and to interpret God's will and purpose. Do not forbid or hinder speaking in unknown tongues. And that's something else. Right? Hear it. You get all the instruction in how to do that in those chapters. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to see where we are earnestly desiring the greater gifts. The next word, inspiration, taken out of the scripture above. Inspiration. You know when you feel inspired, right? You know when somebody inspires you, and whether it's to attain to something or get through your degree, or you're inspired by their kindness or generosity, you're, you're inspired by their, their willingness to lay down their life, you're inspired, you're inspired, you're inspired by that movie, whatever. You're inspired by something, right? Inspiration. Inspiration is something that comes from God. Look at these scriptures, Job 32, 8 from King James. He says, but there is a spirit in a man and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. There is a spirit in man. Everybody say, I'm a spirit being. Right? He's the father of our spirits. And so these spirits, it says, there's a spirit in a man and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. 
The inspiration of the Almighty God gives us understanding. He drops something in our heart that's inspired from God himself, and he speaks that to you. And he puts something in you, and he gives you a burn, and he gives you a desire, and he gives you a love, and he helps you serve. You're inspired by God. It came from him, because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. You hear it? First Timothy 3. We've got to read the whole thing because it's really horrible. So here you go. Ready? But know this. I'm on the bottom of page two. That in the last days, are we in the last days? Yes. In the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. You're like, oh, stop. No, next, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. There's your Revelation 3. Yes, period, end of discussion, that's it. Baby, we'll go all night doing something out there worldly. But who wants to go pray all night? I don't know. Right? Having a form of godliness but denying its power. It's just religion. Correct? And from such people turn away. Oh my goodness. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Boy, don't we know we've been through that. I've been, I've been taught a few things over and over until I finally get it. How about you? And God's like, oh, I finally got it. He'll come whichever way it takes to get it through to you, and you finally get it. That's our aha moment, isn't it? And I was saying, the preachers, your family members, your parents, your friends are all like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> whatever it takes, they got it. They got it. Thank you, Jesus, for his faithfulness. Yes? <laughs> okay. Uh, verse 8. So now as Janus and Jambres, Jambres resisted Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further. Their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully, here it is, here's the turn. But you, beloved, have carefully followed my doctrine. Okay, this is in Timothy. Paul's writing to Timothy. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose. You followed my faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Oh, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will keep growing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things that you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And that from childhood, you've known the Holy Scriptures, Timothy, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. That list right there, he's telling you the, the attitude, the, um, what the world looks like at that time, and it's our time. It was dark here, it's still dark, sin is sin, nothing new under the sun, correct? 
Nothing new under the sun, right? Sin is sin, dark is dark, but it's still going on in the world. And the believer being persecuted, yes, from the world, but he points to the man of God, but you have earnestly given heed to the word, to the doctrine, to the faith, to the prayer, to the ministry. You've listened to my counsel. You hear it? You have listened to me. You took your position. You're leading well. Keep on. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And even in this, he boasts of his own persecutions. He says, but the Lord delivered me from them all. Because he's doing that for the sake of Christ and the church. Even today, we benefit from our brothers and sisters. Yes? Verse 16, and this is where it lands. All of that, and then he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Because he has an earnest desire for us to know the truth. All scripture is given to us by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everybody say, nothing missing, nothing broken. We have everything we have need of right here. We have everything we have need of right here in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have the Holy Spirit of God the same Holy Spirit that was in Peter is in us. The same Holy Spirit that was in Mary is in us. The same Holy Ghost that was in Christ is in us. The same fire, I'm just saying, the same word, the same doctrine, the same blood, the same cross, the same blood, the same cross, yes? And here it is, and he's like, he's calling us to give more earnest heed to what he has given to us. All by the inspiration of God. God's ideas the, actually means the breath. The ruach of God. The breath of God. He breathed into Adam. He became a living being. Jesus breathed into his disciples and said, receive Holy Spirit. As I was sent, I'm going to send you now. It's the breath of God. It's the breath of God. It's the breath of God. Inspiration of God. Next word he gave me was urgent. And then God just drops things in my mailbox, if you would, here. And so I'm going to show you, just listen to me. I'm going to show you a YouTube video here. It's a testimony from a man of God named Bobby Connor. Who knows Bobby Connor? Okay, a lot of people do. He's been around for a long time. Incredible man of God. I think he's got the whole Bible memorized. And a prophet teacher, all right? And so he's from Texas, and he had his journey starting just like all of us. But somewhere in there, he gave earnest heed. Somewhere in there, he chose to give God his all. And so we're going to watch a YouTube, and the reference is on your paper. For those who are not here, we're going to film it. It'll show the camera will be up on that. If we could, um, who, you know, do you know how to turn off those lights out here in the hall? Up on the right behind the screen, this is sconces. Just, just kill that and the overhead light. And um, we're gonna watch it. And um, and after that, and I want you to see on your paper. I typed up for you on the paper the interview. I may have missed a few words, but 
I've typed it up, okay, for you to have. You can go back and look at it on your own. And then you're going to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Okay? That's good. You're good. Um, and then, um, let's see. That'll work. Okay, we got it. Thank you, honey. Okay, so I have it written down. So your job, don't try to take notes because you got notes and you're going to listen to it again. And we're just going to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying and you're going to be encouraged. And then I'm going to draw it in to what the Lord is saying, all right? So God, please bless it and let it work. And help the video, the mute face. Counter divine urgency. Can you unpack that? Yes. Uh, for and the Lord told you through an angelic encounter, divine urgency. Can you unpack that? Yes. Uh, for 28 years now, Cindy, on, on the Day of Atonement, we have an encounter with Jesus Christ. He'll come tell me some of the things that's going to happen in the future. And I, I write a book called The Shepherd's Rod. This one uh, is very unique. It was the wildest thing. Uh, I was, it was 90 days before the Day of Atonement. I was in the office in Texas, and I was working on PowerPoints. And the Holy Spirit said to me, do you know the theme and the thrust for this year's Shepherd's Rod? And to be quite honest, I wasn't even thinking about the Shepherd's Rod. <laughs> 90 days away. And uh, I said, no, I don't. And he said, almost like a, he said, I do. And then he said to me, do you want to know? Yeah. And I said, yeah, yes, I do. And he said, uh, here's this Shepherd's Rod theme for uh, uh, your 28th uh, Shepherd's Rod. He said, the gavel of God and the, the judgments of God and the verdicts of God. And I said, okay, the gavel of God and the verdicts of God. And he said, that's correct. I said, I'm sitting there in Texas. So I said, what do you want me to do right now? He said, I want you to type the gavel of God into Google and punch the button. So I typed the, the gavel of God and I could have fell out of my chair. I punched the thing and in a second, it popped up an article, uh, a visitation I'd had 14 years in the past. And it's called Bobby Connor and the Gavel of God. Thing. I got caught up into the ancient of days and all of this, but I am telling you, that's the theme. It, the history, it's out of the book of Daniel. It says the evil forces ruled and raged until, until the ancient of days stood, mm. drops his gavel, renders a verdict in behalf of the saints of God, and the wow. saints will uh, establish and possess a kingdom. Until. Daniel chapter 7. Until. <laughs> Yeah, boy. So we're going to we're going to have a glorious time. And uh, so on this day of the atonement, I'm up here in Moravian Falls, and I'm I'm out there on my back porch, and I'm just waiting for this encounter. Angels come. They sound like Huey helicopters, and they're they're these were roaring angels, all magnificent and mighty and fierce looking, and they begin to say to me. Divine urgency, sound alarm, awake the warriors. And then they said, the body of Christ must be mobilized. We've got to get the saints of God off of the sideline to the front line, and we've got to contend for truth. The Bible said truth is falling in the street. But boy, this this time when I was on the back porch, uh, oh, it was beautiful. The sun was golden. It was sitting there. And all of a sudden, a cloud appeared. Now, this is this is absolutely true. A glory cloud about the size of a school bus <laughs> ran, just came out of the air and swallowed me. I called it <laughs> engulfed, but it swallowed me. Oh, wow. I this 
I'm inside a glory cloud, and guys, it's spinning around like this, over like that. But at, with each revolution, it would put a scroll on the wall of the inside of this glory cloud, and it would spin like that, and then another re revelation, another inside. And it's going so fast, it is all is mind-boggling. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't think I could retain this it's because it's going so fast. And he settled, Bob. He said, Bobby, I'm putting this revelation in your spirit, yeah. not in your mind. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, so that's. But I'm here to tell you. He said, "You tell the saints of God. Be sure of this: their spiritual tomorrow won't look like today. God's going to change some things, and we're going to see the awesome power of God." Here's what he said. He said, "I want you to stand and prophesy that the holy fear of God is coming back to Ooh, the house of God. That's good. And release the wonderful wisdom of God. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, the holy fear of God is coming back to the house of God. How do you think that's going to manifest, Bobby? I believe we're going to get a, a new appreciation for who God is. God, he's, God's going to show up and, and show off displaying His mighty power. The Lord said, announce the fact that I'm going to arise and scatter my enemies. Hmm. So that we're, going, we're going to find out. And one of the things He told me, He said, the entire body of Christ is going to be awestruck. He said, they're going to behold what I do in a, in a manner that they've never seen before. And it's going to be so powerful that it's going to be awesome. We're going to be awestruck. And I said, Lord, give me an example of someone being awestruck. There's many verses in the Bible about when they saw the miracles Jesus did, they were <laughs> awestruck. But I, he said, okay, here's your good one, John the Revelator. Remember, he saw Jesus. He saw the resurrected, reading redeemer. He was awestruck. He hit the deck. And that's what's going to happen to the body of Christ. And I think it's going to help us to get away from something that's plagued the church. We've been way too familiar with the God we've barely known. But mm. he's about to reintroduce himself. And wow. get ready. The holy fear of God's coming. But it's going to be one of the best things that's ever happened to us. Wow. And then he said... He said, I'm going to release mighty signs and wonders in the church and in the marketplace, and multitudes will come. He said, that's one of the missing tools in evangelism today is signs and wonders. Mm -hmm. And it says the Bible, multitudes believed on him when they saw the miracles he did. Wow. So, uh, yeah. I wouldn't trade this time. It is so exciting, and God is, God is up to something. And so uh, uh, I'm doing. Uh, we just sent the the shepherd's rod for this year to the uh, editor this morning uh, before we signed in with you guys. And now yeah. we're trying to get it into English where we can get it printed. Uh, I kind of put mine down in Texican. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sometimes I go, "What were you trying to say with this word?" Thank the Lord for spell check. You know. But yeah. anyway, uh, we kind of make up our own words here in Texas. Yeah. Well, yeah. show sure. the last copy of it just so can people you know you from yeah. last year yeah. kind of get an idea okay here's what they look like yeah uh, Carolyn my wife she said Bobby why don't you uh, uh, get the same cover for everyone and just change it so that's what we've done this is mm -hmm. what they look like this is my help comes mm -hmm. from the Lord and mm -hmm. listen we've done it for 28 years and we prophesied about the pandemic. You write them a year in advance. So we prophesied about the pandemic. And I, you can read it. It said there'll be a deadly, de devastating uh, plague come. And it'll be a pandemic. And I said it'll be very contagious and very deadly. And then I said that it'll be a shake-up for a wake-up to get the body of Christ to embrace a greater glory. 
And that's what God's trying to do for us. He's trying to get us away from stagnation. And he said, tell the people they've never been where we're going now. And don't you, I like new things from God, don't you? I'll tell you what, his new thing will be his old thing of demonstrating who he is (laughs) and how he is. He wants the people to know. He said, you tell them their spiritual tomorrow will not look like their today. And God is going to cause us to go to different dimensions of glory. And he said, give the, give the saints of God Psalms 84, 11. He, will be a, he said, he'll be a son and a shield to us. No good thing. Will the Lord withhold from those that are walking upright? He will give us present day favor, future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. We're going to move up uh, with God. And we need to. We need to get into uh, a higher dimension, a deeper, fuller glory with the Lord. And uh, so this year, the one for uh, 2022 was uh, that we're going to embrace his presence. He said, you've got to get my people. And that, that was pretty stunning because uh, I was pre- trying to prepare for the shepherd's rod. And uh, he said, and, and here's what the Lord said to me for the one for 2022. He said, what are your plans for moving the church from a mindset of simply surviving to divinely thriving? And it mm-hmm. took me off guard. So I thought, well, what? I, I, I thought to myself, I don't think I've got one. Now <laughs> came these words. I said, my plan is to wait for God Almighty to show me his plan. And then I'm going to teach his plan to the strength of God. And you could hear the angels say, good answer. <laughs> yeah, you passed that yeah. test, right? Yeah. You passed that yeah. test. Well, Mike, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm, I feel just to ask you, like, based on what you're sensing is coming, have, have you observed a time when there was a measure of that already happening in the earth realm? We have. We, we've seen that, uh, you know, years back, well, you know, back when the Toronto blessing came, there was a refreshing came and something new and different and more, uh, you know, electrifying and exciting. And so, but now uh, we, we got to go to another level. And I'm telling you, God wants to do that for us. And he's going to show, he's going to show his power on a measure and a magnitude we've not seen before. And he really is going to rise. And he said, the saints of God must rescue truth so truth can rescue them. Wow. He says in the Bible, truth has fallen in the street. And he told me this morning, he said, uh, my people are going to be, they're going to surround truth, you know, get really filled, uh, filled with truth and truth will surround them. And my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge, not head knowledge, but mm-hmm. knowledge of the, the living word of God. And so uh, the Bible is going to become very, very important again. Uh, I, I wrote, uh, the Lord said, tell them this is the year of the open book. And they, they can find their answer if they'll dig into the word of God. And he's going to uh, open the eyes of our understanding in a wonderful way. One of the prayers I think we need to pray as prophetic people is Ephesians 1. Uh, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with revelatory light. You will have a grasp and a comprehension of the ways of God. Because the natural mind can't comprehend the things of the Spirit. So we've got to pray that the eyes of the heart would be flooded with light. And God wants to give us revelatory light, doesn't he? Insights with understanding. You know, Bobby, I've never asked you this, but tell me about your first visitation. Like, was it 28 years ago? Yeah, 28 years ago, uh, Bob Jones had done them decades. He had done Shepherd's Rod for decades, and he's the one that initiated initiated this. He walks up to me, and he Bob did, and he he had done de- done decades of Shepherd's Rod, and Bob said, "The Lord wants you to do the Shepherd's Rod," just like that. And I, I answered him real quick, and I said, "No, Bob, I'm not going to do that." 
But I didn't get to tell him why I didn't want to do it. My reason was I didn't want to copycat what somebody else was doing. I didn't want to polyparrot what somebody was else. And so I said, no, Bob, I'm not going to do it. And Bob rubbed his hands like that and goes, well, he wants you to. And off he went. And I'm standing there beating myself up. I said, man, I sure didn't handle that very well. I didn't get to tell Bob why I didn't want to do the shepherd's job. And the Lord Jesus appeared in front of me. And he said to me, yes, Bobby, I want you to get the, uh, get and receive the shepherd's job. And I said to him, no, Lord, because I don't get revelation like that. Oh, when I said I don't get revelation like that, I was sucked up, jerked up off the earth, carried into the heavenly realm, and I was in a great big round dome of some sort, and it had screens, like the movie screens all over the place, thousands and thousands of them, but I could look at a screen, and instantly I'd know everything about them, the wow. most minute thing, and then I was thrown back down to earth, the Lord's in front of me, and he nearly laughed at me and said, see, it's no problem for me to give you revelation. <laughs> Wow. 28 years ago, we started doing the shepherd's job. Okay, you did it one year, and yeah. then did you think, okay, is that going to happen a second year? Or? No, he told me, said, I want you to do it every day of atonement. Yeah, but what I mean is, did you have a visitation in the second year? Yes, had, I did. Then yes, what I happened did. with that? Yeah. At, on every one of the every one of the shepherd yards, we have an encounter, a visitation. It's it's a wildest thing. And uh, one time, I was in Tyler, Texas, and the Lord said, "Go to Turkey. I'll speak to you." I said, "Lord, speak to me in Tyler." Selling <laughs> <laughs> out bought us tickets and off to Istanbul, Turkey. Oh. The Lord, the Lord spoke to us there. See, He was trying to show me that it doesn't matter about the atmosphere. Your the atmosphere can't set the encounter that you're going to have, because uh, that's not a very good place to go to get in touch with God. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it, it, it really helped. It did, and so every year uh, we have this in, encounter, and it's always different. Oh man, it, it's really uh, unique. But uh, I made a covenant with God uh, that I would say exactly, would not omit a single word. Like in Jeremiah, he said, make sure you, you give them everything. Do not omit a single word. So I try my best to, to, to capture what he's saying to us and get it out to the people as quick as we can. It's been a little difficult because of the, the shipping and all that stuff, though, you know, the, the problems they had with getting paper here last year. Mm -hmm. Like they never got last year's out with mostly. Mm -hmm. Paper shirting. Yeah, wow. Paper yeah. Wow, yeah, wow. It is, it is a very exciting days. Yeah. Exciting. You know, I, I'm betting you that most of the people that are, are watching this are, would probably be saying, well, I don't ever get anything on the day of atonement. <laughs> How can they position themselves where they can receive revelation? Maybe not exactly like you receive it, but how can they position themselves yeah. to where they can hear from God too? Hunger. There's nothing more in motivating than hunger. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. One of the things they need to do is uh, it's a great time to seek the Lord. And one of the best ways to seek the Lord is Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. It says, get into the quietest room in the house and shut the door. And the Bible wants us to uh, seek the Lord while he may be found. And that is a great time for revelation during that day of atonement. And uh, it, it, it just a short period of time. It'll last uh, sundown one day and then sundown the next day, and it's over with. But it's not over with because, and the Lord said, tell the people that the truths that I give you, uh, they're, 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 they're not just a one year. Because well, you can look back and uh, 
it's pretty crazy. Carolyn's kept uh, an archives of all the twenty. Well, uh, she had she's got the twenty seven years. She'll have this one as soon as the boxes come in with them. But uh, it's an exciting time to know that God is speaking and His people are hearing. And God wants to release a, a fresh anointing of the sons of Issachar. They had understanding of the times to know what the people of God should be committing themselves to. And that's what he told me. He said, I want you to mobilize. That's what he used. Mobilize the saints of God. And I, I said, well, Lord, tell me about mobilization. And it's a military term. Mm -hmm. It's a mobilize means get, get the troops to the most advantageous place for victory. And so we've got to get the saints of God to understand we're fighting from victory, not for victory. You know, well, we, we why do you right. think? I want to encourage there. people to continue. Okay, can you turn those back on? Could y'all hear it good? Okay, so God bless Bobby. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to take you back through the notes. You're good, dude. This class doesn't get out to 830, right? So we're going to go back to our notes on page four. The word the Lord said was urgent. You hear? Take heed. Be earnest. Right? You can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Feed the flame. It's a very serious time that we're in. But it is a glorious time because God is moving and he's looking for his people to move to, with, and through. And I want to be a vessel of honor that says yes. Okay, I've always believed in the glory of the Lord. I've always seen it, felt it. You've heard me say it. It is something that you've never experienced yet. We've all tasted and seen that the Lord is good, but there's something coming that's greater. And so we're going to go through this. I'm going to read this to you. And I wrote down, he referred to how the Lord, and I love this, is hilarious of Jesus. He knows about Google. It makes me laugh. Um, he tells him, you know, he hears the word, the gavel of God and the verdicts of God. Okay, that's what he hears. And then Jesus tells him, type in your Google. I even did this myself just to see if it worked. The gavel of God, Bobby Connor. And this is the article that popped up, which is here listed on your paper at the Elijah list. And it's called Bobby Connor, the gavel and the living word. This is the year of the open book. So this was like 14 years ago or something, I think. But God's speaking to him today, and it was the gavel of God and the verdicts of God. He says, put it in your Google. It's not, I mean, like he wrote the thing how many years ago, and pops up, and here's the word. That's not bad. Is Holy Ghost not inspiring? Is Holy Ghost not in the middle? Now, he is a prophet. He is a prophet and a teacher. And God does nothing unless he first tells his prophets, yes? And so he works with, it's a part of the body of Christ. We can all prophesy and be prophetic, but that's the office he does carry. He's very serious about these words, and isn't it fun? You see the relationship he has with the Lord, okay? And he, again, has the Bible memorized. <laughs> I'm just saying, just about. But it's that, abide in me. I'm not, it's not something out there that you can never attain to. He got saved just like us. Yes? <laughs> okay, so here's what the Elijah list word was that popped up when he did that. Um, the word, the gavel and the living word. This is the year of the open book. Remember he mentioned that? He was awakened by a divine messenger. It's three o'clock in the morning, and I'm quietly lying in my bed. 
wide awake when suddenly I see a large figure appear in my room. The room is almost totally dark so that I'm straining my eyes trying to focus on whom or what has entered my room. Suddenly, as if 10,000 flashbulbs exploded at one moment, this divine messenger erupts into brilliant light. The light is so intense that I'm blinded for some time. My heart is pounding and I'm very excited, wanting desperately to see what was taking place. Finally, I see. This heavenly messenger is glowing with radiant light and the bright messenger speaks saying, follow me. It was a command, not a suggestion. We walk to my bedroom door, which is closed. He opens the door, and we stepped through it. We stepped through. I am expecting to be in the hallway leading to the kitchen and breakfast area. However, when we step into the hallway, no longer is it the hallway of my house. A narrow passageway. Now we are standing in a narrow passageway that is straight and extremely long. There is a beautiful passageway, pearl white in color and bright. It was as if I could see the passageway running for miles. The corridor was straight and narrow with strong arches, and there was a breathing beauty about this place. The messenger said, we are going there, speaking about the end of the passageway. I was thinking, this could take us a long time to walk this far. <laughs> That's flesh. Isn't that something else? Even in these encounters, we're like, that's a long way, Lord. <laughs> okay. I was thinking the messenger said, no, it will not take long. Somehow you could sense that he was somewhat put out with how dull and slow I was to understand. I mean, the angels just have to put up with our flesh, right? Is this not real? <laughs> okay, touching my arm as to escort me, in a split second, we are floating up above the floor about eight inches. Faster than the speed of light, we're now at the end of the long passageway. The messenger looked deep into my eyes and said in a matter-of-fact tone, this is how we do things. The living wall of light in the gavel. We are now standing in front of what appears to be a living wall of light. I was thinking, what am I here for? When again the messenger answers my thoughts and said, you are here for this. He extended his right arm and points his finger towards the wall of light. And suddenly the wall of light parted from the floor. A bolt of living light shoots upward, making a pedestal. And on the top appears a beautiful Bible. At this point, the messenger said, take this. And he extended his hand, holding a solid brown wooden gavel. It was not an elaborate gavel, but was much like one a judge would use in a courtroom. I was going to take it from him with my left hand, and he said, no, put it in your right hand. I was instructed to take the gavel and strike the closed Bible. It was apparent that this Bible was new and had not been used for study, but more for ornamentation and decoration. I had no clue what was about to transpire as I was only obeying the instructions of the bright messenger. Not expecting what was about to occur, I lifted the gavel and I brought it down with force on the Bible. And when I did, it seemed as if a bolt of lightning had struck within the room. Whew. The entire place was filled with sparks of light, and it was as if bolts of lightning were flashing. I was truly startled and stunned at the loud sound and blinding flashes. I could hear what sounded like thunder, and the heavens were rolling with distant thunder. The year of the open book. 
Slowly, I was able to see and hear again, at which point the Bible appeared to take on life. It began to pulsate and beat like the beating of a heart, slowly and faintly at first, and then it began to grow faster and more intense. Soon, it was the rhythm of a strong, pounding heart, and with each beat, the Bible grew more and more alive, and now it was opened. However, the appearance of the Bible had now changed. It no longer looked new, but now it appeared well-worn and much used. With each beat, great light sprang from the open Bible. The light springing forth from the Word would reveal Christ the King in His splendor. Asking the messenger what this event meant, he said, This is the year of the open book. We must take every decision based on the living word, excuse me, we must make every decision based on the living word of God. By doing so, we will discover the justice and the judgments of God. It is important that we know the living word, not just the printed word. It is now rhema word we need to hear and follow. The gavel speaks of the authority of the word, and the authority depicts or betrays the right to command or the power to administrate. Also, this gavel speaks of God's justice and judgments that will result in us seeing answers from the word of God, giving clear guidance to difficult situations. What an amazing testimony! We honor this, Lord. We honor your testimony of Jesus and Holy Spirit. We honor you, Lord. This is real, and this is just one. But Holy Spirit is bringing this to light for us to see. You hear it? Now we're going to go back to the notes on the page six. This is back to the YouTube notes, and I'm going to start, start here. It says, he caught up to the Ancient of Days. Y'all see that on your paper? In the middle of page six. Okay, so I wrote this out so we could read this. He was caught up to the Ancient of Days. Who is the Ancient of Days? We have teachings and studies on this here. If you're not familiar with that, contact me. I'll get you there. It's on our website to tell you all about this. So Daniel 7, verse 9 through 22. He says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated, and his garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool, and his throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, and thousands and thousands ministered to him. Ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him, and the court was seated, and the books were opened. And I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. That's referring to the Antichrist. And I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Verse 13, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man Everybody say, Jesus. (laughs) Coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. And then to him was given a dominion and a glory and a kingdom, and all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. His kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. 
Verse 15, so I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, even within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by, and I asked him the truth of all of this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. He's going to go through and talk about all the empires and the different kingdoms. Those great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever. Amen. Say amen. (laughs) Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet, and the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, which before three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. Verse 21, But I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints, and prevailing against them, until the ancient of days came, and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. So, that gives you understand when he says he was caught up to the Ancient of Days. This is the picture from Scripture. You understand? The great judge of all the earth, yes? The Lord is king and judge and lawmaker, Jesus Christ. But this is being caught up before the great Ancient of Days. Almighty God himself, isn't that amazing? And the Son of God walks up. And his is the kingdom and the dominion and the glory and the power forever. And the saints inherit the kingdom. And we rule and reign with him forever. Isn't that glorious? But yet we have to bring it here. God's like, I'm catching you there so you can live now in the fullness of what I've destined for you to live in. And we have gone before the ancient days. You go before him. You ask for justice. You ask for righteousness. You ask for his favor. You ask for his ruling. Yes. You ask even now. Even now. But this is the picture of where he's caught. So now I continue on with just transcribing the best I can from his, from his video. On the day of atonement, a time the Lord has called him to seek his face every year, And the word of the Lord to come to write that word in a book called The Shepherd's Rod, which was a prophetic word that God gave, started with Bob Jones. And from that, every year on the Day of Atonement, they would get a visitation from God. God would give the word, they print it, and they get it out. 28 years, I think he said. Yes? You can go get it yourself, knock yourself out. They're out there. But that's what it looks like. Okay, so now he says... um, the Day of Atonement, the time had called him to seek his face every year for the word of the Lord. Now you're like, but we seek his face every day. Yes, but God set this apart on this holy day. Seek my face here. And he says, oh, Lord, your face I will seek. You get it? And you go wherever he tells you to go to do it. And every year since that he's had an encounter, every year. It may be different, but you're expecting God to show up. Are we expecting God to show up when we seek his face? It looks like that. Are we expecting God to show up when we pray and we earnestly desire for the kingdom to come? Are we expecting God to show up? We may may not caught up before the ancient days, but am I earnestly desiring the manifest presence of God for the glory and the power of God, for the presence of God to invade us, to save, to heal, to deliver? Are we earnestly desiring what's in his heart? This is one man, one story, one day for the entire body of Christ. Hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Give heed. Give them more earnest heed. He goes on. He says, he seeks him. And he says, write the word in the shepherd's rod, mighty warrior angels came. He describes them. 
Okay, he knew. They were mighty warring angels, right? They said, divine urgency, sound the alarm, awake the warriors. Now that makes sense. If they're mighty warring angels, they've got a message. Wake up those warriors. Wake them up. Just like us, from the eldest to the youngest. Right? Wake up those warriors. Wake them up. Sound the alarm. It's a divine urgency. The saints must be mobilized. They must get off the sidelines and center for truth. And centered for truth. Bobby encountered the glory cloud of God. It swallowed him or engulfed him. Scrolls of insight and revelation came to him. All happens so fast you can't even train it all. And right now I feel like there's just so much coming. It's, you gotta, I mean, you just got to keep up every day with what God is saying and doing. It is really getting intense. Yes? And it says, um, all of this goes into your spirit. All revelation goes into your spirit. Maybe even the Father said, even if they drag you before kings and princes and they demand you give a defense for the gospel, he says, don't worry. The spirit of my Father will tell you what to say in that moment. Thank God. <laughs> right? Say, thank you, God. All right. Okay, so here it is. It's all in our spirit. It's like, how much can your spirit hold? Who wrote the Bible? It was inspired by the Holy Ghost. And where does the Holy Ghost live in us? The same Holy Ghost in us can hold the entire Bible. He can hold the truths. He can hold the revelations for us. Can he? And it'll spring forth out of our spirit when we need it. Isn't that glorious? That helps me. And if you're like, man, I have a horrible memory. Don't worry. Yeah? <laughs> okay. Now, all right, I'm on the next one. It says, tell the saints of God, your spiritual tomorrow won't look like your today. Everybody, thank you, Jesus. God is going to change some things, and we're going to see some awesome power of God. There's always more, Yes? Stand and prophesy. He was told, stand and prophesy. The holy fear of God is coming back to the house of God. I've been saying this for a long time. The holy fear of God is coming back to the house of God, and it will release a wonderful wisdom of God. I put the scripture here, Proverbs 9.10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see, when we have the fear of the Lord in the house of the Lord, then... There we go. But continue on. There will be a new appreciation for who God is. Remember what Jesus told the church? To the church, not just the outside world, but to us. That there'll be a whole new appreciation for who God is. And I want that. I know you do. God is going to show up and show off and display his mighty power. I'm going to arise and scatter my enemies, he said. The entire body of Christ is going to be awestruck. They're going to behold what I do in a manner that they've never seen before. And it's going to be so powerful, they will be awestruck. And they went on to talking about, give me an example in the Bible of awestruck. He said, well, John the Revelator and John in Revelation 1 when he saw the resurrected Christ, what did he do? Anybody have an answer? When he saw Jesus in Revelation 1, what happened to John? He fell on his face like a what? Like a dead man. That's awestruck. 
right? I've encountered the fear of the Lord. I've encountered the terror of the Lord, and I screamed at the top of my lungs. As soon as he came, the terror of the Lord came on me, and I screamed the loudest scream. She was a witness. Nancy was there. I screamed at the top of my lungs all the way until I hit the floor as the spirit of the fear of the Lord came upon me and spoke to me and gave me the word of the Lord from Jesus to do what he is establishing in this region to do. And the first thing that came out of me was repentance. And all that came out of me was in screaming, tear and crying, oh God, I am so sorry. I am so sorry because he was rebuking the bride for her unbelief and her doubt and her disobedience and the witchcraft and the sorcery and the adultery and the plagues and the disease within her. He showed up. The lightning of God came to one woman who was just making disciples and getting people free and getting them healed. He divinely chose to pour out his spirit on me as I'm over there quoting Joshua. Wherever the soles of my feet will go, that place you have given me in the name of Jesus, binding and rebuking the powers of witchcraft out of the church. And then he comes upon me and the fear of the Lord hit me. And I say, I'll go, I'll go. It looks like that. And from that place, I'm launched into his heart, into revelation encounter, revelation encounter, and revelation encounter, and come out of that two and a half days in the glory. And from it, he continues to build what he has to establish. It's his movement in a territory. Why are you so passionate? Why are you so zealous? Because I have been awestruck. And yet I know there's more. You have more than one encounter with God. You have more and more. But that one, just like the Saul of Tarsus, it got him good. It got him good. But yet he was caught up into heaven more than once. Yes, he saw great glories. Jesus spoke to him in dreams and visions. He had angelic encounters. But there was a time when a call came. And he chooses divinely and you just say yes. I've experienced this. And I'm telling you what, I know it. And it's going to come again. Because God's getting way too familiar. He goes on to say that. Are you following me? He goes on from one of the shepherd's rods. He says, there has been a plague, but this is what he says. The body of Christ has become way too familiar with a God they barely know. And he says, that is the plague. This is the plague that's come into the body of Christ. We have become far too familiar with a God we barely know. Familiar is a big word. You'll hear a lot from me on that soon. Far too familiar. He is about to reintroduce himself. Say, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It doesn't mean that you don't know him like you know him today. It just means he's about to reveal some more to you. So when Stephen saw him, dude, Stephen saw him in the flesh for peace's sake. And when he looked up and he saw him at the right hand of God, he wasn't just like, hey, Jesus, you know, glad you made it to heaven. He's standing in awe, seen in the heaven. God let him see. Overflowing in joy. Isn't that beautiful? The one that laid his head on Jesus' breast fell down on his face as a dead man. You see? It's that. So he says, get ready. 
The holy fear of God is coming, but it is the best thing that could ever happen to us. I'm going to release my signs and wonders in the church and in the marketplace, and the multitudes will come. There has been missing tools in evangelism, signs and wonders. We all know, right? Trust me, God's moving across the globe, and he is moving in power. And there's signs, miracles, and wonders, but nothing like you've seen yet. Scripture said the multitudes believed in him when they saw the miracles he did. Page nine, embrace a greater glory. Everybody say, greater glory. Embrace it. That means earnestly desire it. <laughs> right? Earnestly desire the greater glory. God, I earnestly desire. Show me your glory. He told me if you only believed, you would see the glory of God. Show me your glory. Tell the people they've never been where they are now. They've never been where they are now. Tell the people they've never been where they are now. God is doing a new thing. A demonstration of who he is. He will cause us to go to deep dimensions of glory. He quoted a verse here. It's from Psalm 84, verse 11 from the Amplified Classic. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows present grace and favor and future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Man, you could just stay on that forever. Just receive that's real. Yes. Okay, so he talks about embracing his presence from the shepherd's rod from 2022. The Lord asked Bobby, what is your plans from moving the church from simply surviving to divinely thriving? And he said, I don't know. Right? <laughs> I guess I'm just going to do whatever you say, and that's what I'm going to do. Right? And the angels were like, good answer. You remember somewhere in the past few years, God said, heed wisdom. Heed wisdom. Really live. Don't just survive. Right? He gave the word of the Lord, flourishing. Psalms 1. Those who are planted by the streams of water, they'll grow. Right? Psalm 92. The righteous are like palm trees in the house of the Lord. And they flourish forever. Living by the supply of the Spirit. Living from the source, the intimacy, and the overflow of the Holy Ghost. It's a new thing. This is the truth. This is what it looks like. He says, we have had a measure of this happening before, like in the Toronto blessing and other outpourings, but we're going to a new level. He will show his power in a magnitude we've not seen before. He's going to rise and the saints of God must rescue truth so truth can rescue them. That means repent and return to your first love. That means get in the truth and let it surround you, fill you, and get in you the living, breathing word of God himself. Yes? He goes on. He says, the saints of God must rescue truth so truth can rescue them. He quoted a scripture. This is from Isaiah 59, verse 14 from the RIV. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off for truth has fallen in the public squares and unrighteousness cannot enter. And excuse me, and uprightness cannot enter. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off for truth has fallen the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Is that like happening now or what? So that's why the body of Christ is called to the truth and to stand for truth and declare the truth. In the heavenlies, before God and with a gavel, yes. In declarations and prayer and earnest prayer, yes. And in witnesses, as a, as a testimony, as confronting, of declaring, of standing for what's right and truthful, yes. That. 
<laughs> this is a time we are in. My people will surround truth and truth will surround them. Hosea 4, 6, he says, remember, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. The Bible is important again, and this is the year of the open book. They will find the answer if they dig into the word of God, and he will open the eyes of our understanding. Now, I'm going to go back. We're going to read this prayer over ourselves at the end, but I'm going to go on. That's from Ephesians 1. On the last page, page 10. The testimony of Bobby's first encounter with Jesus, Bobby was literally sucked up and jerked off the earth and carried to the heavenly realm. So you're just being obedient and you're going to go seek God. Right? You're just going to go upstairs, the kids are in bed, and you're going to go have time with Jesus. Just saying. This is a human being, a saint of God just like us. And God sovereignly, this is a sovereign move, chose to do this. Right? I just want to set it here. Otherwise, he'll be so holy over there, he can't ever relate to you. (laughs) He was sucked up and jerked off the earth and carried into the heavenly realm. He saw a huge dome-like place that had huge movie screens all around him, thousands and thousands of them, and instantly knew about them, and then he was back to the earth. Because remember, what he struggled was, is that he didn't think he could ever do this. How could he get the word of the Lord for the church for the year? He didn't get revelation like that. He didn't get revelation like Prophet Bob, who sees like we see in the natural. <laughs> Been to heaven so many times, you can't even count them. You get my point? He compared himself. How many do that? Well, I'm not that. I couldn't do that. I'm not that. Gideon said, who am I? I'm the least of mine. You don't even know. Do you know what tribe I'm from? <laughs> he says, you a mighty warrior hiding in the, what was he in the thing, wine press, threshing wheat. Hiding, hail, valiant warrior. And he's like, who, me? Right? We got a whole Bible full of these stories, don't we? And this is real, isn't it? Sucked up. And he just said, I don't get revelation like that. He's like, hey, this is nothing. You see how easy it is for me? I can give you revelation like that, and it's going to go into your spirit. Isn't that amazing? There's, this is supernatural. There's no way you can make this stuff up. And there's no way you could attain to all of it. There's no way you could regurgitate all that if not by the Holy Ghost. Because my Bible says that the Bible was inspired by the Holy Ghost, but men wrote it. Isn't that amazing? The testimony of Jesus. Moses went up on the mountain. I don't know. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, one of those first five, Deuteronomy. How could he write all that? What an encounter. All are unique and different. He instructed God, told him not to omit a single word that he tells him. So when you get something, you're kind of like, I don't know if I want to share that part. Because that's a little too out there. I I think I'm hitting some things right here tonight. Oh, I don't want to. No, they'll never believe me. He says, do not omit a single word that he tells you. And this was from Jeremiah 26.2, New American Standard. Thus says the Lord, this is to Jeremiah the prophet, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah who have come to worship in the Lord's house all the words that I've commanded you to speak to them. Do not omit a word. Wow. 
So if he says, repent, you're all going to hell, you better say it. <laughs> right? That's the reality. Will we be the honored saint that will speak what God says? Or will we compromise the word of God and take a little here and a little there, but not give the whole counsel of the Lord? Or will we hand and stand fast for the, all the truth? All the truth. That's where he's going. All the truth. You hear it? The people need to position themselves to receive and hear. Hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5, 6. It's a great time to seek the Lord. Matthew 6, 6 and 7. He says, but you, when you pray, uh, John 15, go in your room and when you shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathens do. They think they're going to be heard for their many words. So don't be like them because your father knows the things you need of before you even ask him. I love that. So when we go be with God, he already knows what we need. And we get in there and he's just, wait, go ahead and tell me, go ahead and tell me, go ahead and tell me. Just go ahead and tell me. Get it off your chest. Ask. But yet some will still carry that burden, carry that wrestle with it ourselves, until we go to the Father and say, I need money to pay for this this month. I need this. I want you, God. I want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. I want to prophesy. I want to pray in tongues. I want to heal the sick. Whatever. I want a thousand souls. I want to go to New Zealand. Whatever. Not just for a vacation. But you know, he blesses that too. But wherever God is saying, it looks like that, does it not? He says we've got to be have that anointing of the sons of Issachar, knowing and understanding the times, and his command to the saints, mobilize the saints of God. Just like a military, get the troops moving. And that's where I started. Okay, you can't be lukewarm, and we can't be cold. He's mobilizing the truth, and I gotta be up front and ready, saying, yes, sir, here I am. Give me your orders, right? We fight from the place of victory, not playing, not Excuse me, we fight from the place of victory, not for victory. Because we've already won. Let's stand and honor what he has. And I'm going to play a song here. And you, if you have to go, you're dismissed to go. But I encourage you to stay with the Lord. And I'm going to pray Ephesians over us. You have it on your paper. Are you ready? I'm just going to pray over us all. So, Father, we know that you have heard our hearts and our love for you and for one another. And we're very thankful that we are in the body of Christ and we are your family. And we pray and we choose to pray and take heed and the more earnest attention to what you're bringing to us, Lord. So may the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, May you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and we would, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, 
far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Father, we say yes and amen. We thank you. We receive this encouragement and this word. I know it will strengthen all who hear. And we receive revival fire. We receive fresh fire. And we will feed the flame. And God Almighty, take us deeper. Take us higher. Take us closer. Reveal your love to us, God. We are open. Our hearts are open. We desire for you. And we, Lord, we loose repentance where needed, forgiveness where it's needed, deliverance where it's needed, healing where it's needed. And that, Lord, you will light the fire once again. And may we know that, Lord, we are alive and well, attentive, listening to, hearing the urgency, all in <laughs> and earnestly seeking your face. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.